everyone. My name is Sophie <laughs> Sadiki. And I'm Alana Mallon, and we are two new Cambridge City Counselors, and this is our weekly podcast, Women Are Here. And it's not our first one. It is our 42nd one, and we still somehow can't get the, <laughs> the beginning part yeah, right. Yeah, we really can't. We're very professional. Uh, so we wanted to apologize. I wanted to apologize about last week. I, it was a rough week. Um, I went back to listen to it because somebody, uh, a listener had asked us a question about something, and I was like <laughs> listening to it. And we were like, and then we went to this meeting, <laughs> and this person said, pa. And uh, yeah. it was like a robot. It was just a, you know, thank you, next. Like, thank you, next. Yeah. That was, woo, moving on. <sighs> moving on. Um, so I discovered something about Sumble today. Um, I was, I'm stocking a pair of clogs. Uh, on eBay. Clogs. Oh my God. Clogs are cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they are. They are. They are. I only ever wear clogs. You know this. I guess I when I you showed me the picture from afar, it looked like a pair of heels. Well, they're clog heels. Also, they're like rose gold color. Anyways, Ooh, okay. this is very pertinent. But anyways, I was like stalking them on eBay and I was like, look, Sumble, I'm so excited about these clogs. And she was like, we're buying something on eBay. I've never bought anything on eBay, and I almost fell out of my chair. Yeah, you How did. do you buy things? So I really don't. Um, <laughs> this is pretty embarrassing. Because you hate shopping. I don't really like shopping, and I, I just, I literally like shopping for all things or just clothes. I don't like shopping for clothes. Okay, I, I sometimes Why? do it. So you have to be the mood, and then I'll go all out. But it that happens maybe once a year. So that's why you've seen this blue suit probably every day. Um, you do wear a different scarf and blouse, so it does look different every day. Th- that makes me feel good. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, my mom has a she has a joke. She's like, "Oh, there you, there's your uniform." <laughs> but you wear like, do you wear casual clothes? So that's that's, that's a, a really re- great great point. question, um, right? <laughs> I don't. I, I really. I wish I had more casual clothes because everyone is like, "Are you when you're not in a blazer?" Like, right? Yeah, and you can wear blazers with like casual pants. I know. I do have a jean, a pair of jeans. You have a jean? <laughs> I think I have a black pair of jeans, and then I, I have a boot pair. But I, anyway, I do need to go shopping. Well, do you need, like, somebody to, like, help? Because I like I like shopping. You'd go shopping with me? Of course. Maybe we could, like... I really enjoy shopping. That's our promo for the new podcast. Oh, my know? God. That would be so funny, us out shopping and stumble just on her phone the whole time. And I'd be like, look <laughs> at this. Look at this. Buy these clogs. <laughs> and I'd be like, and that's the thank you next. <laughs> like, All Ariana Grande. Exactly, exactly. Well, we are happy to be back, and we're happy to be our normal selves Fun. this week. Uh, we had a Monday council meeting that went until only 7.30. I almost died. Like, it was practically light out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, my, I walked in and my family was like, oh, what are you doing here? I know. It was like a mess. People were like, oh, my God, you're not on TV. My I, my mom was like, you're not on TV right now. I was like, it's because it's over. You know? Did you walk she in the door and me. she said that to you? Yeah. Or? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I left. I quit. <laughs> no, I'm done with this thing. <laughs> but we, uh, I had a council uh, order uh, about condo conversions. And specifically, this has come out of the tenant displacement task force that I'm chairing and we've talked a lot about strategies there's long-term solutions there's short-term solutions and condo conversion is somewhere is a policy where at the local level we have more power to make changes Uh, the problem has been that we as a city have not looked at this issue since 2000 that's 19 years 
Yeah. What is a condo conversion? So let me fill you yes. in. So Massachusetts uh, State Condominium I was listening. Law. I was listening Monday night, I swear, but. I know you were like not listening, but that's okay. <laughs> I was. Uh, it allows cities and so Massachusetts State Condominium Law, General Laws Chapter 183A allows cities and towns to adopt local ordinances and bylaws that regulate condominium conversions more strongly than the statewide law. Uh, so we don't have a local condo ordinance under the authority of the state uh, under the authority of the statewide condo law. So we made an attempt in 2000 to pass a local ordinance, but we didn't get the necessary votes. And so do you since have to then, have a supermajority? So like, do you have to have six votes like the other? You needed two thirds votes. Okay, so six, not five. Yeah. Okie doke. So those regulations have remained unchanged. And so the laws, like, it's pretty long and complex, but essentially right now, you know, you can, you let's say you have a, Single family home. Yep. Uh, three, three, three decker. Okay. And you wanna, you wanna renovate it and and then convert you then and wanna make some money and maybe have a rent the first you, you sell the first two you can you can convert into condominiums. This is how I bought my place. Um, right. The woman who owned a two family it had been in her family since 1924 when it was built. She no longer could carry the mortgage by herself, so she converted mm -hmm. it into condos, and we bought the second floor. Right. So that's commonly what has happened historically. Mm -hmm. What we've seen more, m you know, more recently, are larger buildings going up and being converted. So, like on Dana Street. Exactly. Okay. So that was a situation that was twenty-five units. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so, from the data we have, is that from two thousand ten. And between 2010 and 2015, there were 600 units that were converted to condominiums. Oof, that's a lot. And the median price for a condominium in 2015 was $600,000, $612,000. And I bet it's like more like 800000 now. <laughs> exactly right. So, um, and the report also found that the, this, the housing profile that was done, that the median prices for one, two, and three family homes were all over one million yeah. in 2015. So we knew some of this data. So my request specifically, and this is where the, the, the task force is interested, we wanna look at the impact of condo conversions on displacement in Cambridge and investigate methods for strengthening protections for tenants. So in other cities like Boston um, and Somerville, They've adopted local policies where, for example, the relocation assistance is higher. Mm, okay. In Boston, so, it's... It, it, so if a developer buys a 25-unit building on Dana Street, yeah. they have to... Per currently, they don't have to provide relocation assistance. But in, if it was in Boston, they'd have to provide some amount so of money? So they do have to provide relocation assistance. Oh, okay. But we can ask for more. Oh, okay. So as a local authority, so say... So more look, money or more things? More money, okay. you know, as a relocation. We can um, ask for more notice, right? Okay. And so in in Boston, it's a five years, depending on if you are a special category. If you're low income, you're elderly, or, or you know, you have extended... You have the more, more of a notice requirement. Uh, so specific towns and cities can basically rule on this. And Cambridge, we haven't had this conversation in twenty years, in basically. twenty almost twenty years. So, would it are you are you envisioning this to um, cover all condo conversions or condo conversions of like four units and more or like something? So that'd be that was we talked about that briefly on Monday. It was I think? Oh, we did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, basically, you know, I think there 
there's we, that's why I asked the question, question what are the property sizes of the units that are that are being converted oh, right okay, okay. because that is it's there's a difference from like a five unit to a or like the thing right. the, the thing, thing that I just about. yeah right your, your example mm -hmm. and I do know a lot of examples like that so but more and more we are seeing um, we're just we are seeing a lot of big real estate investors come in and buy these properties the LLCs right these LLCs mm -hmm. and so you know it, it is this is this is really the first step in figuring out what can be done I think people have said oh you should have done this twenty years, you know, twenty years ago, and to have any real impact. What, but what was the the major thing that held it back in two thousand? Was it, it the small property owners? Yes. Okay. There's small property owners. There's a. I mean, Robert Winters has a huge analysis on this actually, and I'm still going through the materials from. Oh. Two, he's written this up. How what happened in two thousand? But and I can share that with you, and I'm gonna probably tweet it out as we as we go through it but I think that's would be interesting fascinating to read yeah because I am wondering what what the oh there's so much oh my god it was I feel like there's that whole rent control yeah um there's like faction of people that are still they can still come out when when things like this are yeah and tried. we had we had you know the law when it was rent control it was there's a, there's a lot of history there, and yeah. so um, we are. Thank we are God for Robert Winters for know, right? keeping it alive. <laughs> it's online, right? So that was my order on Monday, doing a lot of work and trying to get this data from the assessor's office, and then really looking at how to analyze it and and seeing if there are ways we strengthen the how condo conversions are happening, and if if there's anything we can do to help tenants who are getting displaced as a direct result of these of these uh, conversions, because it's. If you're selling, let's just say like you're renting and then you sell um, for, and there's no right of first refusal. Right, that person has yeah. to go. That person has to go. You can't buy a, you renovate it and then you're selling it for over a million. You know, these condos are going for I know. one million unless you have a kind person who is going to sell you for below market. Anyway, that's my tangent on condo conversions. Uh, and what what else happened on Monday night? Um, I had some meeting minutes from the Arts Task Force yes. that went in um, that was around zoning. And we are actually currently looking at some um, zoning that we can amend here in Central Square to incentivize arts-related uses. So yeah. Um, Look for that. That's coming up. Um, but if you're interested in the Arts Task Force meeting minutes, if you can't come to the meetings, um, but you're interested in what we're doing, they're online. Great. Great. And shout out to my legislative aide, Liana, for diligently taking notes. Um, I can't imagine just typing for two hours like that. I know my council aide, Sarah, is doing that. And these these minutes take a long time. So. Well, especially last night. Mm -hmm. Or we, was she doing the minutes? She's been doing my tenant displacement task force. Oh, yeah. Too. Okay. Yeah. Well, so last night, speaking of last night, you we chaired had, another yeah, meeting. I chaired a... Or co-chaired. Co-chaired a housing committee meeting with my fellow uh, colleague, Councilor Simmons. And this meeting is one of many uh, that we're having in March on the issue of the affordable housing overlay. So you may be wondering, what is that? We both talked about it briefly on the podcast, right? Yeah, there have been a couple of times where it's come up, but now it's sort of coming up in earnest this month because um, the zoning is going to get written. And um, But there'll be... Anyways, go ahead. So yeah, so the, the idea for a 100% affordable housing zoning overlay uh, goes back to 2015, 2014, and some even have said to 19... Early 1990s, as yeah, Councillor Toomey. Toomey. Mm -hmm. So uh, the the goal would be to help affordable housing developers in our city. Some affordable housing developers are Jessica Start, Homeowners Rehab. There's the Sean Hope, Sean Hope Cascap, 
And then the Cambridge Housing Authority. Correct. And so it would help affordable housing developers using public funds to create new affordable units more quickly, more cost effectively, and in areas where there are fewer affordable housing options for residents. So what do we mean by more quickly? Right now, these affordable housing developers have so many stories about the long delays that it's taken them. Yes, because you can legally challenge a decision by the planning board, which is a discretionary, because the planning board has discretion, it can be legally challenged by abutters and neighbors, and it can draw out a, the building of a development, which can incur costly, costly legal fees and redrawings of arc, whatever. So yeah, there's significant costs, there's long delays, and so this really creates a lot of significant risk to our affordable housing developers, and they have many examples uh, of where they've faced these challenges. So this zoning um, would would ha- allow them not to, it would be a as of right zoning, which is, is creating a lot of questions, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it essentially, and you asked this question and uh, to ask the staff to talk a little bit about explaining you know, as of right, what it will really mean. The process will look very, very, it will be almost the same, except that, you know, there's not going to be, you know, they, they do, you know, they're, they're going to be looking at it. The community can be involved, but because we're taking the discretionary aspect of away and making it as of right, the delay won't be there. Or the, the opportunity to be legally challenged. Right. That will cause a delay. I think there were a lot of people, a lot of residents that were concerned that um, without having planning board oversight and community engagement, that they would end up with like just a box right next to their house that was huge. And I I hope that um, we had asked enough questions last night and um, the staff had explained what the, the review process was going to look like the people maybe their fears were allayed a little bit that the community engagement piece was still going to be there the planning board piece was still going to be there historic renovation was still going to be active and in place um it's just that you know once that design review was done and approved and back to the affordable housing trust it just couldn't be legally challenged Um, i think going back to the legal challenge it not only is costly um and can de- significantly delay a project, which there's legal fees, but also you're carrying the land cost that whole time, so you're basically paying on something that is not generating any revenue back. Um, so that's where part of this revenue, or part of the it being really financially high, whatever. Right. I'm like having a hard time with my voice. But it can also lead to a significant um, number of units that are lost, mm-hmm. that legal. So on Temple Place, um, which is in Central Square, it was 20 units of affordable housing was what was ended, ended up being built. But because of the legal challenge, we lost, I think it was two units, and then we lost some family-sized units in there based on the legal challenge. So it can be significant both to the developer, but also like for the in per- perpetuity of when we've lost now two units of affordable housing. That's two families that could mm-hmm. be living there. Um, and then some smaller, you know, smaller units mean n- not family units. So um, I think for all of these reasons, we're really discussing this affordable housing overlay as a way to combat the the housing crisis as one of the, as everyone said yesterday, as one of the tools in the toolbox to do that. I mean, I think you're the thing you just, the condo conversion is one thing, some of the other things we've been talking about here, but this is another big thing to do. Yeah. And I think there is this distinction to be made between 
you know, affordable housing developers and market rate developers. And I brought that up in my opening comments. You know, I was looking at the Union House on that's coming up on Bishop uh, Allen Drive. It's a four-story, 23-unit building, uh, and it's starting a lease. And I checked online, and it's a one-bedroom, one-bath, about 650 square feet apartment is starting at o- over $2,900. I have to tell you, when, I know you were talking, but there were audible gasps in the crowd. I think a lot of people just don't understand, particularly if you own your house and you've owned your house for a long time, I think people really mm-hmm. don't know what rents are doing here in Cambridge. And that, like, I wasn't surprised by that at all because I know for some of these two-bedroom places over in Kendall, they're getting $5,000 a month. Right, right. And so it, this overlay, right, would uh, make sure that <laughs> these those are the rents that are not being charged because they're going to be affordable. Right. And I, you know, if you want to just talk about what affordable means, I think a lot of people last night was like, well, wh- you know, what is affordable? Yeah. So basically, we have a chart on this that we can share. But uh, if you're making 80% of the area median income, as a one person, you're making about fifty-six thousand dollars and and eight hundred. Um, and if you're making up to a hundred uh, percent of area median income in Cambridge, it's seventy-five thousand, around seventy-five thousand. And so this really the overlay. Um, I'm forgetting so it's the up language to those amounts. Yeah, right? up so to it's those between amounts, yeah. thirty and eighty percent of AMI, and then there's some middle income ones, mm-hmm. which they're calling um, eighty to hundred percent yeah. AMI. So you're, we're really targeting those incomes because those are the incomes that are f- feeling the crunch mm-hmm. in, in, in Cambridge and so in, in, this, in this area. So, um, you know, I think because I, I am glad to see that we're going to we do talk often about the shrinking middle class. Yeah. And that is something that we have to be thinking about because my big thing has been we do have we have a really high, high income community now. And then we have a lot of low income individuals and moderate income individuals. And if you want to move somewhere, right, you're mostly going to be moving. You're going to have to, it's going to be hard to to buy a home, right? So how are we creating those pathways out as well? Right. And and when you talk about middle income families and residents, there was a speaker last night, and I'm not remembering off the top of my head, the number, the thousands of families that have left. Yes. The census data between 2000 and 2015, um, those middle-income families are actually leaving um, in droves, right, because of the high cost of housing. And then we're kind of gaining a lot of people on both of the what they call the barbell. Right. Um, and that's when we talk about diversity in the city, we're not just talking about you know racial diversity, but we're talking about socioeconomic diver- diversity. It's, it's critical in any city to have a thriving uh, middle class. So um, yeah, that eighty to one hundred percent of AMI is is, is important. I thought I thought your opening statement, first of all, I, it really touched me. And I do you have it? I do. Okay, can you read it? <laughs> all of it? Oh my god. Well, the part. Well, I will read this one part where, um, you know, I talked a little bit about how we've gotten a good amount of we've gotten a lot of support emails, and then we've seen and heard um, some negative emails that I find. And there's been that op-ed yeah. uh, over the weekend, you know, people kind of commenting on current current housing and being fearful that that's what's going to be coming to their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Like this assumption that, oh, my God, we're going to have a fresh pond apartments on here on Ave. Right. Uh, and that is not what this overlay would, 
would be doing. And but the more important point is that, you know, I, I don't appreciate when there's all these statements you know, being made calling my former home ugly, yeah. right? Because it is someone's home. Um, there are people growing, you know, growing up there. Uh, and to, to just say that it's an eyesore and to, to, to say, oh, we want to make sure, you know, we're not building that kind of housing. And, and just there's a lot of these negative, uh, you know, con- connotations. And so I said something like, you know, I said, please refrain from making assumptions about the needs, wants, desires of those who would benefit from the creation of affordable housing in the city. Um, I'm sure others who share my experience of growing up in affordable housing would agree that we would prefer not to have our experiences appropriated and misrepresented in supportive views that are um, ill-informed. And so I think it, it, you know, it is, it's difficult because we don't make housing the way we've done in the past. And I'm, I'm glad we don't, but more the point is, is shaming people about where they live. And (laughs) it just, it it misses the point. Yeah. I mean, I think for you, that was really personal. And I think it was good for you to call it out. Um, You mentioned the op-ed that was written by a resident. Mm who is opposed to the affordable housing overlay and one of the things that he mentioned in his op-ed which was uh, was really upsetting was um you know i'm really concerned about these children who are going to be living there and um be dealing with classmates who say things like oh you live in the poor house and that's like a pretty direct quote yeah Um, and We've gotten a number of emails like that that have said things by way of protecting the low-income children, which is offensive. Yeah. To, me, to me, as somebody who grew up low-income, it is offensive to use this shield of protecting children from crass classmates when it's clear they need to be protected from actually the person who's writing that op-ed. Right. Um, and I think... I think you said it beautifully last night. It's really easy to get kind of riled up in sort of this this way where people are really emotional about they don't want ringed towers in their backyard. And you're saying, I that was my that was my house. There's so many people that are living there right now. I was right. thinking about that girl who's from the Cambridgeport school who was like, I live I live in ringed towers right now. Yeah. And and thinking about her being there and what would she feel like if she, you know if she heard these adults just like hounding on I know. architectural I do think architectural design is important and wh- how we're building our affordable housing now we you know we do it's thoughtful it's very thoughtful yeah. and so <laughs> it's just yeah so it, it it's one of those you know difficult conversations but i think you know last night went pretty well yeah i thought it was i thought you know i had a lot of questions i feel like the the um the community had a lot of questions Hello. I can hear you. I'm back. You're back. The community had a lot of questions. I think one of the things that a lot of people wanted to know was, is this going to be affordable housing forever? Like, like are affordable housing developers going to come in and and create this housing? And then 10 years from now, they're going to turn it into market rate housing. It's like $5,000 a month. And so the staff, I asked that question and the staff really said, you know, Cambridge has a covenant, which would keep it in affordable in perpetuity. And also to apply for state and federal funds, you also have to you say that it's going to be yeah. affordable forever. So hopefully people heard that and had some of their fears allayed. Um, and then I asked this question about the city's goal of what is the percentage of affordable housing that we want to have here? Because I've heard people bandy about the number. Mm-hmm. Do we want 50% of our housing to be affordable like Vienna? Um, and the truth is right now we are at about 15%. 
And right. the, the city's goal is to get to 16%. So I, I think we're not talking about a huge shift in, dem, you know, in a, a ton of units. And we're also funding limited, which is one of the things that I was talking about last night was the way that we get funding for these projects or these, these nonprofits get them is through a, a number of different avenues, some state funding, some st- federal funding. The city um, actually taxes every property owner 3% for Community Preservation Act money, and that 80% of that additional tax goes into our affordable housing trust. And then we get um, the incentive zoning, which is uh, $16.66 per square foot of um, commercial space. So if a commercial building is over 30,000 square feet, we get a certain amount of money that goes into the Affordable Housing Trust. So the Affordable Housing Trust money plus federal plus state is creating this housing, but it's it's a limited supply. Um, and we've been pushing for more funding on the city. Um, but currently we're, we're putting about 50 to 60 brand new affordable units into the stock every single year. Um, even if we got $20 million a year for the next five years, which is what we've asked for, it's really only like another 70 to 100. So I think people had a, this fear that once we put this overlay in, there would be thousands of affordable units. And, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see that right. one day. That it's one of those things that zoning, this is, it's a process, right? And yeah. I think we, I, I think we'd all like more money i mean 20 million is what we've asked for per year or five years but that's which not sounds gonna, like a ton but, but then when not, you do the math, do the math yeah and so it, it is going to require even more of an investment because particularly because our federal government is not really funding no affordable housing is right it's now, not no. pu- funding public housing anymore in a way that it had it's all privatized and it's it's really had an impact on on numbers and on waiting lists so this this overlay we're trying to get this to a place where it can work. Uh, and there's still some questions that, you know, all of us asked last night that um, we're getting closer to to, to getting some language. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, I'm optimistic. I think you never know. We need at least, uh, we need six votes. Yeah, super majority. Super majority. So, so let's see, we're having two more meetings on this topic on March 20th uh, and March 28th. Uh, well, you know, the next meeting is going to be dedicated to uh, just, public, public just public comment to hear from people. We There were a lot of people last night. 39 up. people. We th- yeah, and we had to, we usually have a meeting from six to eight, these committee meetings. We allowed it to go until nine. Uh, and so... We want to hear from the public. We want the committee, the committee members, the council. This is very, very important. And so we will, you, you know, if you want and come to learn more, uh, I think you can learn a lot by people's comments as well. Yeah. Uh, that's March 20th at 5, uh, from 5 at to five? 7 at five. 5 p.m. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's a Thursday. Mm. Uh, so I think, yeah, it's a Thursday. Thursday. Thursday night. So please come. And the next one will be March 28th. And, and then uh, we are we will probably be scheduling more meetings after that. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, if you missed last night's meeting and Sumble and I maybe didn't cover all the things you're burning questions, it was um, videotaped. So it is online. And um, I tweeted it out last night. So definitely check it out. Yeah, and I tweeted it out today. Oh, look at you. <laughs> I was like, if you you can watch last night's meeting on the affordable housing overlay. I was here. wearing my I was wearing my getup. <laughs> my blue my blue suit getup. Yeah. So please um 
please let us know if you have questions. We we talked we talked a lot of we. I feel like sometimes we talk about this as if everybody knows, knows what we're Sorry. talking about. Uh, but <clears throat> it is kind of it is complicated stuff. So uh, reach out to us if you have questions, and we 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 um we'll we'll definitely do uh, more in uh, weeks to come. We'll talk about it on our podcast further. Cool. All right. Well, now we've talked about housing for for a long time. Yeah. Um, we just left a weirdly cool meeting. I left way early because I'm not a member, but... Um, yeah, so there was a transportation committee meeting talking about transit benefit ordinances, which is um, cities uh, across the United States um, are looking into having a local ordinance that would require employers to offer a transit benefit, which um, essentially is just... Probably a lot of you have this at your employer already. The city of Cambridge does it already. Um, it's a pre-tax. Uh, they take out pre-tax what you would be spending on transit. So you're you're able to just have this benefit um, pre-tax. And it actually saves you quite a bit of money. And it's, it increases ridership in the places where it um, has been implemented. So San Francisco has had one for a while. Um, New York City just got theirs. Um, where else did you say? Seattle. DC? No, New Jersey just got it. New Jersey, the whole state of New Jersey. Yeah. Um, so these are these are just ordinances that the city kind of puts in and helps employers try to figure out how to connect their employees to transit. Um, and we had a lot of interesting conversation around um, what this would look like. It seemed like um, it really increased ridership. And we've talked about this before, like the MBTA is actually um, increasing their fares. And what that generally does is it decreases ridership. So um, there was a woman today who was from a union, um, what did she say, local 529 or something? Mm -hmm. And it was the transit ridership uh, union. Um, and she was kind of coming to say, look, we're about to experience um, a dip in ridership and that affects our members. And this is actually a really good thing for us. So please support it. So there's going to be a, a report that... Um, the vice mayor is asking the uh, community development department to put together on you know what this would look like and asking for a legal advice of whether or not this would have to be a home rule petition or if it's something we could just do here without the state legislature um, approving it. So more on that, it was I was saying that like transit attracts like like dudes. Yeah, there are so many dudes there. Yeah, all white. Yeah, white dudes. You were. I think you were, again, the only person of color. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I actually, um, there was a couple of people from our transit advisory committee that came and spoke, and I actually, I like logged on to see if there were any women even on the advisory committee, like the city's transit advisory committee, and then it's pretty low on on, on women. Ah, oh, sigh. Sigh. I mean, we, I, I'm assuming we there are women who are in transit mm -hmm. that are smart that could come and, I don't know. Yeah, there's like, I can name a few. Oh, well, well. Oh, well. Yeah. Anyways, I just thought that was interesting. And speaking of um, only men, um, <laughs> <laughs> heading to the National League of Cities this weekend um, to their annual conference in uh, D.C. Uh, and last year, I don't maybe people remember, but I attended a few panels, um, two to be exact, mm -hmm. that um, were both what I w would call manals, um, only men, uh, no people of color. Um, so two, and I was really shocked by that because the um, the NLC is very diverse. Like the membership is very diverse. Uh, so I was really surprised. I actually walked out of one of them um, because I was like, I just can't. And then angrily tweeted at the at the NLC. So I'm 
I went on today to see what the workshops were and who the panelists are, and they're not on there yet. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So I will let you know. Please. Um, I actually am attending um, a full-day session on something called Advanced Racial Advancing Racial Equity in Local Government. Um, there's a few of us from the city that are attending that, um, including our police commissioner. So um, that's from 9 to 5 on Saturday. So I have to tell you about the guy who runs that initiative. I met him as a high school student. I feel like you know everybody. Yes. You're like, I oh, do. that guy. I know that guy. Um, Leon Andros. Oh. And so. Did you go to this last year? I've I've not. I didn't go to it last year, but I've like. I, w- I went to the NLC conference in LA, and so there was some. Oh, I see. Okay. You know, there was some. That was in November. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, there are some themes on this, but I, I'm, I'm not going to the conference this year. I can't believe it. You know, everyone's like, left you're not. me. I know you're, g- you're gonna hang out by yourself. No, I'm just kidding. At least now you know you're the fun one. I think right, like, so. Everyone's like, everyone's like you're like, not. I know. I have gotten that. They're like, oh, you're not coming. I'm like, <laughs> sorry. I'm. T- I don't. I want. I wanted to go, but then like. I don't know. I've just been traveling so much, and yeah. I broke my well, ankle in March last year, right after the trip. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> I just my can't. God. I, I'm having like PTSD, so I just well, was you like, just I went to the one go. in L.A. and none in of November. us went, to and that none one. of you, and yeah. Mark did. Mark, oh, the right, did. right. Anyway, I hope you have time. I hope you have a great time, and please let me know what happens at that session. Yeah, we're doing that work. <laughs> I know. I'm. I'm excited. Um, it seems like it's going to be a good one. Uh, and then we have we get to hang out with the youth council. Um, so actually, the city flies down 13 high school students that are on the youth, the um, Cambridge Youth Council, and they actually attend their own um, conference during while this is all happening with youth from across the um, United States. So um, that's always a good time, and we we get to hang out with them. And um, I did that in 2005. I know, as a youth. As a youth. How as many years youth. is that? 14. Look how good at math we are. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> so Nancy's going to be so proud. We do. Yeah. Wow. Time flies. I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else? Okay. We're wrapping up. Uh, yeah. You want to talk about Inman Square? Yeah. So the Inman Square loyalty program started this week and um, participating places will um, have a box in their, um, uh, sorry, by their cash register. And if you buy something, then you'll get a sticker and you'll get you get a card. Everyone should have gotten something in the mail or stop by one of the Inman Square uh, locations. If you stop, if you shop at five different locations and get five different stickers, you can turn it into the city and er- then there'll be a raffle every single month. Um, and you will be eligible for a $50 gift certificate Woo. to uh, any Inman Square location of your choice. And there'll be two winners pulled every month. And this is just something that our economic development department is um, putting in place in advance of the Inman Square reconstruction project, which is going to really impact the local businesses that are there. And it's kind of a way for um, us to get the community excited about supporting our uh, local businesses um, during this time. So I hope everyone can go and participate, grab a loyalty card, talk to the the shop owners, and really um, let's support Inman Square through this. Uh, And do you want to have like an internal contest where who gets the most, who can fill up their card first? Um, You and me? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, I'm not going to be here this weekend, so. Oh, mm, Mm, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to DC. I'm going to be here local. (laughs) So we'll have to report back uh, on next, by next week. What if we, like, what if we want a gift certificate? People will be like, fake. Rigged. Rigged. (laughs) I never win anything. That's what I was saying. I never win anything. We won the election and that's it. (laughs) That's it, people. (laughs) Well, we have one coming up. Uh, So 
Let's talk about Cambridge Digs Deep really quickly. Uh, we have an event uh, on March 21st from 6 to 8 to Thursday. Food starts at 530. It's in the main calf at Ringe. And so this session will be all about restorative healing through providing race-based affinity spaces for discussing and processing identity and sharing perspectives. That kind of sounds all technical, but uh, there is a keynote uh, associated with um, uh, that Dr. De, uh, Amante has. Uh, and so if you can, we'd love for you to watch it. I've been tweeting this out, but let me know if you want more information. I've been putting in my newsletter. If you, I've been asking my colleagues to put it in their newsletter, um, but we hope that you can attend. Yeah, and definitely if you're gonna come, watch that keynote video, because um, I feel like the last session, she did like kind of a wrap up and it took a long time for us to get to yeah. the actual new work, so it would be great. And I just wanna call out that you've made a mistake here. What? Well, you were talking about the next uh, meeting of the housing committee as March 20th, and you said it was a Thursday. It is a Wednesday, a Wednesday. if this is Thursday, March 21st. You're right, I have a tenant displacement task force on the 19th, then I have the Housing Committee hearing on the 20th, and then I have the Cambridge Digs Deep on the 21st. And then you're just going to go and put your pajamas on and die. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, or cry. Anyway, uh, we have an event tomorrow as well that we're going to. Yes, the Introduction to Women of Color and Feminist History, Massachusetts and Beyond. Uh, it's tomorrow, March 7th. It's uh, 7.15 to 8.30 at the Cambridge Main Library in the Community Room, Lower Level. Um, this is in the celebration of Women's History Month. Is today International Women's Day? Is it? Maybe. Maybe. Oh, God. We're if it awful. is, we're sorry. Happy, 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 yes. happy. Um, and people are probably listening to this not today, so it's fine. It's all fine. Um, okay. So it is a lively overview of feminism focusing on the experiences of women of color in each wave of this movement from suffrage to present day. Stephanie Gurand, who you also know, um, <laughs> for some reason, intercollegiate graduate student in studying gender and poverty reduction at the University of London, will discuss some key events and organizations in feminist history, highlighting women of color who shaped the stories and future. And desserts are going to be provided. We'll see you there. We'll I'm going there. to the uh, tutoring plus benefit beforehand, but briefly, and then I'm going to make it to this. And I have a meeting a somehow meeting. from 4 to 7 p.m. Good luck with that. At mm. a church. Ooh. So, yeah, so I'll see. Godspeed. <laughs> okay, so there's also a collection for Dignity Matters happening. Dignity Matters is a nonprofit that collects and supplies feminine hygiene products and underwear for women and girls at homeless shelters, domestic violence programs, scattered sites, public schools, and after-school programs in the Merrimack Valley, Boston, Cambridge, and Metro West area. So the month of March, there will be uh, collecting pads, tampons, and underwear new tags which has to be new with tags and bras that are new uh, or gently used so the bin is located in the women's commission office at 51 inman street on the second floor yeah that's a good one um you never really realize how much oh my god um, yeah sanitary items are until you go to the store and you're like how is this box of tampons 30 like it's they're super expensive, it's expensive. they're really expensive yeah. so anything you can give there would be so so helpful and then the last thing is the cambridge library is undergoing a strategic plan and they want to hear from you there's um a few community forums where you can give your feedback in session um to 
tomorrow night, March 7th at 630 at the Collins Branch on Aberdeen Avenue. Um, and then there's one for parents and caregivers this Saturday, March 9th at 1030 a.m. in the main library um, in the Curious George Room. There's also an online survey and there's whiteboards and libraries and other municipal buildings collecting ideas from residents and what you'd like to see uh, at the library, what you currently like that they offer and things that you would like to see in the future. And that's actually not the last thing. We want you to save the date. Oh, my God. We are the worst. Oh, you're the worst. <laughs> no. oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> on April 10th, uh, both of us, we are par- participating in Cambridge Historical Society's digital engagement event. Because look at us. We are engaging digitally. Yes. Yes. And it will be at um, a specific time that I cannot remember. It's going to be at CCTV yes. on Massachusetts Avenue. Sumble and I are going, it's going to be just a casual conversation with Sumble and I um, <laughs> around how we are engaging people digitally uh, through our podcast. Yes. But also it's a good opportunity to please come and make us feel like we don't have any friends. Yeah, and it's at 6.30, uh, and it goes till 8. And so it, it's really, it, it's going to just... There's not going to be wine. Yeah, unfortunately. Can we bring wine? <laughs> I th- maybe. I think, I feel like... We, I think we can. It would be better. It'd be better. Yeah, yeah. So wait to hear from us, uh, but <laughs> please come. But definitely come. Save the date, come. And so there's that, like... At least five, five people. people here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to get, we, like, two. Two. Maybe. Or four. That would be so nice. Your mom's coming. My mom's coming. <laughs> Jasper. <laughs> Toby. You know. All the fam. My quilt. You know. Right. Maybe we'll we'll pay some people from Veggie Galaxy to come over. Or AIDS. Oh, yeah. We'll make yeah, them yeah, come. Make them come. Thanks. They're, they're like young and fun. Yeah. All right. Well, anyways, definitely come to that. We will. Um, we'd love to see you there. We, uh, we. Again, we apologize for our yeah. low energy nature of last week. Uh, we hope that we have completely turned it yes. around. Please, please come back. And I think maybe you and I shouldn't podcast on Friday afternoon. Yeah. Oof. I think that was part that of it. That was it. That was, was my it. fault. I was like, and then I have no more energy and I <laughs> Your might Your child die. was sick, so too. Oh, God, yeah. Remember? That was the worst. Why that did was, we do that? I don't know. Like, we just... Ugh. Okay, lesson learned. Lesson learned, yeah. All right, well, listen. If you, um, if you like this podcast... <laughs> Still, still, still <laughs> you still like this podcast, please let your friends know about it. We are, especially around this affordable housing overlay, we would love to reach more people and let people know what's going on. And clarify. On and clarify, answer questions, um, and let people know about all the happenings here in Cambridge. So um, share this podcast on Facebook, on Twitter. And if you'd like for us to answer any questions or talk about anything in spe- specifically, tweet at us. I'm at A-M-M-A-L-L-O-N. And I'm at S-U-M-B-U-L-S-I-D-D. And we hope that you have a great rest of your week and weekend, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.